Good evening, everyone. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast is here. And uh, Wiz, how are you doing? And uh, most importantly, did you get a gander at the uh, schedule release last night in the NFL, which now we can begin to look a lot more closely at what's going to be happening in the 2021 season? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing well. I uh, hope, hope you are as well. Uh, it's funny. I don't know. I was just thinking about this to myself uh the other day, <laughs> how, how much times have changed with all of this and how the NFL is milking this for all it's worth. I mean, there was a time where, you know, it would just be a casual day during the week. Oh, the NFL schedule is out. Maybe you'll go buy a magazine, see who's playing new, you know, see who's playing who. Now, a three-hour show, ESPN, Fox Sports, the NFL network call from eight to eleven about the NFL schedule coming out, and uh, boy, this is becoming a uh, a big production with all of this. It's uh, you know, yeah, and I think a lot of people enjoy it because we really haven't had normalcy in probably two full seasons um, since two years ago with the NFL. But uh, yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting and uh, I got a kick out of it and enjoy that uh, that they do it that way and uh, yeah it seems uh, it seems a lot of fun and uh, the one the one thing that I found I, I found very very interesting is it seems the NFL um, has a viewpoint that Aaron Rodgers will be quarterbacking the Green Bay Packers uh, because you know I don't think it's a coincidence that they put them in a five. Uh, prime time games and uh, I don't know I mean I don't know if they actually talk to the ownership I mean not the ownership the general manager and whoever's in charge of making those decisions there but uh, I don't know it just seems interesting uh, that they would put the Packers in so many prime time games if they really felt strongly that Aaron Rodgers was not going to be there yeah no I, I think that I, that's the one thing that caught my eye as well I and look there's some real provocative matchups certainly the the schedule and the season starts uh, in in week one on a Thursday night the Dallas Cowboys will be going to Tampa Bay uh, to face the world champion uh, t- Tampa Bay Buccaneers Tom Brady uh, once again I think uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also got five games uh, in prime time but I think you make a really good point you know to me right now that there's just there's a lot of really good football teams coming into to the season. I'm really intrigued. Week one, for example, Sam Donald is going to be hosting his former team, the Jets. So we, we knew a lot of the opponents. We, well, we did know the opponents each schedule, but where they when they're going to face them is what we learned this week. So excited. I, I think we have a very exciting uh, matchup on, uh, if I'm not mistaken, on the Thursday night of, of Thanksgiving. I know the Saints are in that ball game as well. So, yeah, look, the, the schedule is out. It's another reason to be excited about football. And Wiz and I, like I said, we've been, we've been thinking about uh, pro- progressing uh, in terms of laying out a foundation for how we look at the season. And, again, just another step towards 2021. We did mention that the uh, mini camps, the rookie mini camps had started. So very excited, uh, very excited for football. And, and that's part of what we're going to be doing here over the next couple of weeks. And we start looking a little bit more closely in terms of some of the things that happened in the offseason. And that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about veterans who have moved on to other quarterbacks in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, excited for football, Wiz. I, I know you are as well. And the planning starts now, as we've continued to say that, not one week before the season, Jimmy O, because this is the way you do things, and that's not the way you prepare for a fantasy football season. Yeah, no uh, no, no question about that. And, uh, look, I think, you know, we'll get into um... – We'll get into, you know, the rookies 
uh, at each of these positions. But I thought for these next couple of uh, episodes that we're going to do, we're going to talk about like how teams have moved around in terms of the veterans, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, and uh, and and their landing spots, and we'll see how that how that works out for the. Uh, you know, for the season as well. And and there's a lot of them this year, you know, and, and some very prominent names uh, that have moved on. Uh, you know, I think probably the, the most interesting one is in the AFC where Carson Wentz takes over in Indianapolis. This is a guy who had, you know, he was a, he was a highly touted prospect coming out of college, second, second pick in the draft, leads the Eagles, uh, if you will, uh, uh, to a Super Bowl berth. Uh, obviously, he got hurt that year. Nick Foles finished it up for him. But but I think that's the kind of the biggest name. But there's a number of them in, in, in the NFC. And, and I think that's kind of the place where I want to start before we move to the AFC teams because the NFC has a lot of them. So I wanted to start right in the NFC East. And, and I'm probably most intrigued by this particular signing. Uh, and when we talked a lot about Ryan Fitzpatrick last year with the Miami Dolphins, we talked a lot about the decision to pull him as a starter. We know how he kind of brought that team together. He's played with a lot of lot of lot of teams in this league. Uh, he's always been seen as a leader, and he goes to a team which really somehow got by last year, scraping it together at quarterback, finishing up the season with Alex Smith, who made a miraculous recovery uh, to be the comeback player of the year in the NFL. But I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is really set up here for success. We uh, Tyler Henneke did a great job in that playoff game, but I think this is Ryan Fitzpatrick's job, and it means a lot for this offense because I think there's some just really special things that are going on with this offense. I know you love McLaurin. I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Curtis Samuel, and his signing here is a big deal. Diami Jones, the wide receiver, drafted. And we know what Thomas did at tight end, probably the breakout player of all players at tight end. So so let's start with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Wiz, and how do you feel about this move for him going to Ron Rivera's team and leading this team, which basically had a, a you know, pretty amazing season, tremendous defense, but now this is another step on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think this is, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's swan song. And I think, you know, uh, this is going to be it. And he's got a, he, he's got a chance. I mean, uh, with that defense, there's a chance that you know the, the 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 Washington football team could be a Super Bowl contender. I mean, they didn't have, in my opinion, nearly the offensive players and power and uh, potential that they have coming to the season. And they still, even the playoff game gave the 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 Tampa Bay Bucks a pretty good game. And if that defense um, keeps giving the ball to Fitzpatrick um, with this offense, I'm really liking the situation for Fitzpatrick. Um, they got a lot of good young players all over the ball. Terry McLaurin, I, I feel, is just one of these guys with with a good quarterback, can be a top 15 receiver. Now you pair him up with Curtis Samuel. Logan Thomas is someone that I know you like. Uh, he was he was rock solid. Then they bring in, you know, Diami Brown from North Carolina to give them a different type of receiver there as well. Uh, and that combination at running back uh, with Gibson and McKissick is really a good one-two punch with McKissick being terrific uh, catching the ball. And uh, there is a lot of promise in, uh, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick is set up for success. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, and I know you felt too, because uh, Fitzpatrick had uh, is able to get, the, even at his age, still able to get the ball down the field. I think we can look to what Ryan Fitzpatrick meant for a player like Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker was a player who struggled for a number of years. People looked at him, physical specimen coming out of college, never really came into his own, and it was the year that he clicked with Ryan Fitzpatrick, especially down the stretch, second half of the season, where Devontae Parker was the number two receiver and I think you mentioned Terry McLaurin here I, I think Terry McLaurin will 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 be a top 10 receiver this year if Ryan Fitzpatrick stays healthy the whole season I know you mentioned top 15 but I think if you look at what McLaurin has done with who's been throwing him the ball he had 900 yards as a as a rookie he had 1,100 yards last year with four different guys throwing him the football. He only had four touchdowns last year. But to think that he can't really step it up from these levels, I think that's. I think it's a huge step up for, for Terry McLaurin to have a quarterback um, like Fitzpatrick. And we know Curtis Samuel, he was the most reliable receiver in the Carolina offense in the second half of the year. How they use him will be very interesting. And, and Logan Thomas caught 72 balls last year. You know, this is a guy who's a former quarterback. First real season, tight end the whole season, 72 catches. Again, four different guys throwing the football. Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a steadying presence in this offense. Yeah, and and and, and you know I don't want to I don't want to fail to mention the signing of Adam Humphreys as well. Uh, he has got to stay on the field, but if, you know if you look at that offense potentially uh, with <clears throat> McLaurin and now Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas and Adam Humphreys and the Ami Brown as the fourth guy, uh, and then the, the ability in the backfield with, with McKissick and Gibson, um, it makes for an interesting thing. And uh, we full know that we full well know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is not afraid to put that ball down and 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 put his head down and try and get a few yards to get a first down to score a touchdown. And uh, he's going to bring an interesting dynamic to the Washington football team. And uh, you know, they, 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 there's a lot of excitement about this team, and uh, I think it's um, it, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting year uh, to see how far Washington could go if their offense can support and 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 you know score points and give that defense a lead, uh, which is something that they didn't do too much last year. All right, so let's stay in the division. I mentioned Carson Wentz, so Carson Wentz will not be at the helm of the Philadelphia Eagles this year. It will be Jalen Hurts, and Hurts had three starts last year. Uh, 77, I believe, was his quarterback rating. Uh, six touchdowns. Obviously, he ran for a lot of a, a lot of ground yards, uh, and that was probably the most effective part of this game. I think the one thing I didn't like about Jalen Hurts was you know, 51% completion ratio. I know you weren't thrilled when he was drafted by the Eagles. I was kind of excited for this player coming into the draft. I, I, I think you felt that his skill set was not exactly what was necessary for the at the NFL level. So I'm curious to think that if he can actually make that move to being a starting a successful starting quarterback in the NFL, because he's certainly going to get the opportunity. And, and the Eagles... You know, they, they, they have a, a young set of receivers, uh, guys who tried to step up last year. But this is still a team that's probably going to need that offensive line to play better. Uh, we know Miles Sanders had a disappointing second season. Injuries kind of hurt him a bit. But I think no matter what you look at with the Philadelphia Eagles last year, the offensive line injuries were the biggest part of the descent of this team. And now you're throwing a second-year quarterback who... 
Yeah, I think there are question marks. I, I think you even thought that there was a chance that the Eagles could draft a quarterback in this draft. They decided not to do that. Uh, so, you know, again, how do you think Jalen Hurts will fare? And do you think he's going to be a quarterback that will kind of garner that excitement? You know, kind of how Kyler Murray garnered that excitement. I'm not comparing the two players. But there was some noise around Jalen Hurts and especially what he could do with his legs. But but Hurts has to make that next step in progression and, and really get that completion rate much higher. Yeah, I mean, uh, he has talent around him, but it just seems to me that uh, several of these guys have difficulty staying on the field. I mean, Miles Sanders has got to be that workhorse guy and that has got to be consistent and stays on the field. Um, and I know, you know, Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis is one of these guys that, you know, a jack of all trades and can do a little bit of everything. And, you know, I'm interested to see in what way they use him. But Jalen Rager was a complete non-factor last year. Uh, and Jalen Rager's got to stay on the field. And he's got to kind of be that, that, that player that the Eagles thought he was going to be. And, uh, and, and him and Devonta Smith have got to be, a de- you know, a, a deadly one-two combination. Then getting back to stay on the field, uh, Dallas Goddard is another guy. He's got to stay on the field for the season. And, uh, you know, I just get the impression that the Eagles are either going to – I don't know. I'd be kind of surprised if they released Zach Ertz. I wouldn't be shocked. I think they're trying to make a deal. I think maybe a lot of teams are just going to sit and wait until the Eagles see if they actually do release him. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just concerned about the overall picture because I don't think Jim Ertz is going to be able to carry a team, and I just feel they have got to get – the supporting cast has got to just stay on the field. And I think as well, you, you know, you look, this is a new head coach. Um, Nick Sirianni comes over from, from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you, you mentioned the receivers, Devonta Smith, Travis Fulgham, who made a little bit noise last year, but kind of disappeared towards the end of the season. I would argue that uh, Greg Ward, the, 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 the converted quarterback, was probably the more consi- most consistent guy in this offense at, at receiver playing in the slot, but he's not really being discussed at the moment. I know you mentioned Rager. You know, this is a team, by the way, Howie Roseman passed over Justin Jefferson last year for Rager. The year before, he took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside uh, instead of taking a player like DK Metcalf. So there's a lot of scrutiny on what the Eagles have done the last few years, and, you know, including the pick of Jalen Hurts and moving Carson Wentz at this point in time. So Eagles, a lot of pressure on this team. They're the worst team in this division by far, and it'll be very interesting to see how things evolve. I think you mentioned as well, I, I don't I don't know that Zach Hurts is on this roster to start the season, but Dallas Goddard will have to stay healthy if that's the case. They certainly weren't on the same page as this draft when their top scout and their GM uh, didn't exactly have a friendly fist bump after a pick. So I'm not sure how it's going to work for the Eagles. I just know they have uh, a lot of young players, and I, I think it's going to take you know those guys to gel, but they have to stay on the field, and uh, a lot of these guys have been unable to stay on the field for a duration of a season, and uh, now that we're going to 17, games for each team uh, I'm a little bit dubious if they're going to be able to 
All right, so Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold is now the starting quarterback for for the Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater has moved on, although he had some things to say uh, about the way uh, practices were conducted in Carolina. Talked about the lack of preparation at times uh, that he felt was going on in offense. I, I was a bit surprised to hear that. Uh, maybe a bitter pill. I don't. I don't know. Maybe a little agitated by the, the way he was treated by the organization. But nonetheless, Sam Darnold, a lot of talent. We know he was picked very high uh, a few years back, but the Jets have decided that they're going to go on to the Zach on to Zach Wilson so Darnold gets a second life here in the NFL Matt Rule the head coach in Carolina and Joe Brady the creative offensive coordinator here we know they he already has a rapport with a guy like Robbie Anderson DJ Moore is here they drafted Terrace Marshall we know uh we we know that Christian McCaffrey is back they also drafted a tight end in, in, in Tremble from 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 uh Notre Dame so I think everything is lined up here for Sam Darnold to, to step up as a player, finally get some kind of continuity on offense. We know what a disaster he had to deal with over the last three seasons as a Jet. And I don't know. I, I feel pretty good. Now, Sam Darnold's not going to get picked in the top 15 quarterbacks in, in a fantasy draft, but I think he's going to be a very capable backup. And you know, by the end of the season, it may look like the Carolina Panthers made a very smart decision to go this route rather than drafting a quarterback this year. And Wiz, you know, I think you know, Jet fans will be watching very closely Game 1, Sam Darnold at home against the New York Jets. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's addition by subtraction and uh, He's getting rid of, uh, you know, I'm talking about Sam Donald. He's getting rid, rid of Adam Gase, who is a uh, maitre d' wearing a chef's hat. So he's getting rid of him. Now he's going from a running back with his backfield, like Le'Veon Bell that he had, going to Christian McCaffrey, uh, the connection that he had with Robbie Anderson, uh, DJ Moore. Um, they, you know, I like the pick of Terrace Marshall uh, with their second round pick. Um, there's, there's a lot of reason for optimism with uh, Sam Donald in Carolina this year. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, hopefully that's the, not not the emergency coming in for Sam Donald. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what is going yeah, on. Yeah, you here, know, but... this is uh, everyday life. This is the way we do these podcasts. You know, sometimes you can't uh, prevent. But, but, what... yeah, I mean, but but I I think I mean I just feel like what I what also I like about these situations sometimes with players is I like when there's a player that's coming into a season with a chip on his shoulder and has something to prove and. Boy, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody with more of a chip on the shoulder um, than with you know, and then something to prove than Sam Donald. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of reason to be optimistic uh, about Carolina this year. All right, so let's go to New Orleans. We'll stay in the division. Uh, Jameis Winston, I think both you and I expect him to be the starting quarterback. We saw a little bit of Taysom Hill as a starter. I think he did most of his damage with his legs when he got in there. Uh, his his passing, a little bit left to be desired. Uh, I think still more of a situational player for New Orleans. We, we know there's offensive talent here. Kamara is still here. Mike Thomas is still here. Although it'll be interesting to see how, how, how Mike's Mike Thomas is uh, impacted, you know, in terms of draft status, especially after the season that he had last year and with an incoming new quarterback. And and Winston, you know, didn't play a lot last year. 5,000 plus yards in 2019 as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
through a plethora of interceptions, um, along with 30-plus touchdowns, but nonetheless, he was handing the ball to the other team way too frequently. Um, you know, what's your thought here for Jameis Winston? Is this something that – is this a one-year audition for, for this job? Is it a situation where you see him excelling, or are we going to see some flip-flopping as the season goes on? And we should mention that, that the New Orleans Saints did draft a quarterback, Ian Book, Short in stature, surprised that they actually ended up drafting a quarterback like that. So, you know, there's a lot of mystery and intrigue still surrounding the New Orleans uh, quarterback situation. Yeah, I, I think the rubber meets the road for Jameis Winston this year. Uh, this is going to matter whether he gets another big contract or not. Um, I think the way the Saints look at this is they, you know, they, they had six picks and they took a quarterback, which leads me to believe that it could be looked at one of two ways. Either they don't have confidence in Jameis Winston or they feel that if Jameis Winston has a terrific season, somebody's going to offer him a contract that they're not going to be able to match. Either way, they, you know, in their, in their, in their eyes, it's a good idea to, to draft a quarterback. Okay. Uh, but that does not take away that this is such a make or break year for Jameis Winston and he has to play well. And we're going to see if a year, of being around Drew Brees and Sean Payton and having a better understanding of the game and uh, is going to help him cut down on some of those dumb decisions that he made, especially when Tampa Bay would get into the red zone. And, boy, it looked like, you know, a a different situation with Brady there uh, and able to move that offense and not make the same mistakes. So we're going to see if Winston has learned from that. And this is a make-or-break career. I mean, this guy's career can be over as a starter if he goes poorly, and he could get a three- or four-year deal from somebody else similar to what Teddy happened with Teddy Bridgewater when he played with the Saints. So this is the rubber meeting the road for James Winston, not only for this season, but really as far as his career is concerned. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. So, all right, well, we'll see what happens with that one. Uh, of course, the big news in the offseason this year was the trade. Matthew Stafford, 12 years quarterback in Detroit, took him to the playoffs three times, no playoff wins. Jared Goff lost in the Super Bowl three years ago. Uh, kind of hasn't, him and Sean McVay, they kind of haven't recovered from that. But that, that nonetheless, he's not going to have to worry about that. <laughs> Lots of crazy drama around that particular situation. Some comments that maybe Goff made uh, on, on social media that might have led to his exit. But I think Jared Goff's play was the bigger reason. I think Jared Goff was, was extremely inconsistent as a quarterback with a very skilled set of receivers. And I just think at times, especially pressured behind a very weak offensive line, he struggled there. So that's not to say, by the way, that weak offensive line is still a story for the Los Angeles Rams. So, but that's for Matthew Stafford to navigate now. So let's look at the Detroit side of this first, Wiz. Uh, I, we, we love DeAndre Swift. Uh, there is a, mishmash at at the receiving core now they did they chose not to take a receiver uh they do try to build up that offensive line with the best offensive lineman in our opinion in this draft and Penny Sewell and and Jared Goff gets a new lease on life here with with an interesting bunch of receivers some guys that have had some success in the NFL at times uh Tyrell Williams is here uh Brashard Perryman is here they have the rookie from last year who's now a second year guy in Quintus Cephas uh they also remember I I forgot about this but they had 
they had signed last year Geronimo Allison, who had a couple of good games uh, the previous season with the Packers, but he opted out last year. So it'll be interesting to see, and I know you love TJ Hawkinson, so it's not like Jared Goff doesn't have the weapons. The question is, can Jared Goff overcome some of this inconsistency that plagued him in particular the last two seasons? Yeah, you know, we're going to get into futures and and, and and overs and unders on team wins. And uh, I was very, very surprised to see how low the under and over on the Lions were. I mean, we're talking about almost Texans low. Um, we're going to do a podcast on futures and wins and our bets and all of that uh, stuff. But, you know, when I look at the Lions – they have some guys, and we t- I talked, uh, we you know we were talking a few minutes ago about you know, you know players with chips on their shoulder, and boy, it looks like the Lions have several of these guys, starting with Jared Goff, who got cast aside by the Rams, then Jamal Jamal Williams, um, who it seemed the, the the Packers made a decision at running back uh, to keep Dylan and keep Jones, but let him go. Um, Panay Sewell, I, I, I read in a few places, felt he was the best player in the draft and is is amazed that players, teams took, you know, wide receivers and skilled players uh, all ahead of him. And he is just a different type of offensive tackle. I mean, he's a throwback, athletic, mean, and nasty. I mean, I just love the player. Um, and I don't know. I just feel when you, I look at that division, I see – the Vikings, like, ready to end it with Zimmer. Uh, I see the Bears maybe ready to end it with Nagy. I see the situation going on Green Bay. I don't know. I think this is a real opportunity for the Lions to do some stuff. And uh, like I said, I, I like it when a team has one player that's key, that has a real chip on his shoulder. And it seems the Lions have several of those guys. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into fantasy rankings and all of that. But I will just say that. That um, Tyler Higby with Jared Goff had, had not last season, but at the end of 2019, put up like record-breaking numbers for like the last five to six games of the year, and he's not in the same stratosphere as player as T.J. Hawkinson is. So I think there's some real optimism. Uh, just as giving a little tease out there for uh, the listeners as far as T.J. Hawkinson this year at tight end, but I, I think. The player, in terms of Jared Goff, has got something to prove, and uh, I think I think he may play better than a lot of people think this year. I also like I should mention is I, I re- I'm a Bill Parcells guy through and through, and, and Dan Campbell is I guess you can kind of consider he played for Parcells uh, as a Cowboy. I uh, played with the Giants a little bit, and he had if you didn't see his press conference when he got hired, talking about biting kneecaps and stuff like that. And he's an interesting guy. I think he's he's going to bring an energy to this to this franchise and this city. Um, Anthony Lynn's the offensive coordinator here, who I think is a better offensive coordinator than a head coach. I think he, you know some, at times last. Year he seemed very distracted on the sidelines. Maybe just focusing on the offense would help him. I like Aaron Glenn. The, the signing of him as the defensive coordinator as well. This is a very young coaching staff, so I, I like what they've done here. I completely agree with you. I think they're they're probably being overlooked. But if you look at directions of franchises in this division, to me, this is a team that's going up. And the other three teams, and, and you know, I am not a Nagy fan. But this is the one team that, to me, the arrow is pointing up in this division. The other three to look the opposite to uh, to the to to the to your point. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that, and uh, we're going to see how it plays out. You know, they do have a really young, unproven group in that wide receiver room, but I think they got a third-year tight end who's going to be a top-five tight end this year, and uh, there's a lot to like at running back, and I think DeAndre Swift uh, can learn a lot from Jamal Williams and uh, and uh, and they also uh, took with their last pick uh, Jamal Jefferson, who gives a different uh, dynamic uh, of a player than those two players. And, and Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, you know, probably will slide right in their fourth round pick and be one of their starting wide receivers this year. So uh, yeah, I just you know we're keying on the quarterbacks for this podcast, and uh, overall, I just think there's a chance that Jared Goff plays better than where he's you know forecasting. You know, it's interesting. I, I probably have the view that Jared Goff is underrated here, and and I and I am, I know you love Matthew Stafford. I, at times, I find him intriguing. I'm look. It's not simple just to walk into a new situation, and and I know that the the Rams have put their eggs into the now basket. Uh, you know, given what they've done with their draft picks over the last couple of seasons, bringing on Jalen Ramsey, and now they bring Stafford here. We know they have a lot of talent on the offensive skill set positions, especially at receiver. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are as good a tandem as is. But look, chemistry has to develop, be developed with players. I don't like this offensive line still. I feel like Sean McVay has kind of been caught on to relatively quickly here as a as a as a head coach. And and really, I, like I said, I mentioned. I don't think he recovered from that Super Bowl loss where, you know, that this offense has been very, very inconsistent, and, and I don't like the offensive line, like I said. So, I don't know. I, I look at the situation here. I know that p- more people are probably excited about the Matthew Stafford situation, but I don't know. I'm, 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 I, am, I need to be proven that Sean McVay has overcome uh, the, the, this little bugaboo that he had post, uh, post-success in, in, in that season where he made it to the Super Bowl. I've yet to see remnants of that offense uh, in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, listen, some teams, you know, you just don't know what their intentions are. Or you know, you know, they're playing for down the road. What their what their overall you know window is, but man, the Rams are all in. The Rams are all in for the season uh, by making that trade. Um, I, I'm just a little confused by that first round pick. Uh, it's the, probably the one position that they didn't need, and you know they could have taken a receiver later on. So I don't know, the Atwell pick from Louisville, he's a different type of receiver, I understand that, than what they have, but man, you took a wide receiver so early last year, um, and, uh, and and you let Reynolds go, so you figured Jefferson's going to get in there, and I, I just you know, I just found the I just found the, the that that first pick uh, to be confusing, uh, but yeah, they're all in with Stafford. And Stafford Stafford could certainly make the plays with his legs and his arm that Jared Goff is not capable of making. He just does not have the same arm talent that Matthew Stafford has. Very few quarterbacks in the NFL have the same arm talent, uh, you know, anywhere near the arm talent that Matt Stafford has. That said, you know, they're all in for this year. There's a lot of pressure on him. I know the Rams must be just thrilled with how Cam Akers played down the stretch. So they, they, I'm sure, feel if their offense can put up some points with that defense, um, you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But the Rams lost some crucial guys in their secondary. Two of them are playing for the Browns this upcoming year. Uh, and they lost a lot of depth as well. So um, 
I think their offense is better, but I'm not quite sure their overall roster is as good. Yeah, yeah, I think there's question marks here, and this is a this is a very competitive division. We've talked about that a lot. Uh, last year, probably one of the better divisions in football, even with the San Francisco 49ers who struggled through a, a season of injuries. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens here f- for the Rams. Um, I think that's all. I think that's all the teams with new quarterbacks with veterans at the helm in the NFC. So uh, l- let's move on over to and, and again, just for listeners out there, we're really not touching upon the situations yet. We we want to see a little bit more information before we kind of delve into what's going to happen in Chicago, whether it's Dalton or Fields in San Francisco. Francisco, for example, whether it's Garoppolo or Trey Lance. And I know, Wiz, you don't think really Trey Lance is ready for this season to start, but, you know, who knows what ends up happening in camp. But nonetheless, we're kind of waiting to see how things kind of play out there. I just want to let the listeners know that that's the case. But but let's move to the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC, Wiz. Uh, so Carson Wentz, we talked about it already, reunited with Frank Reich here. Uh, Frank Reich was his offensive coordinator with the Eagles. Uh, they re-signed Ty Hilt, uh, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, we know they have some young receivers like Michael Pittman Jr., uh, tight ends, Mo Ali Cox, Frank Doyle's, uh, uh, Doyle, uh, Doyle is still there, and the offensive line, who is missing one key piece in the left tackle in Anthony Costanzo, but they, they signed uh, Fisher from, from Kansas City. So my question for you is, Wiz, is Carson Wentz, a, co- a quarterback who you have definitely been disappointed with and, and questioned a lot of him, can he make this transition getting back to the player he was kind of when he came into the league because he definitely has regressed as time has went on in the NFL? Yeah, I think I think he can be. You know, I think he played too much hero ball. Uh, I think he, you know, didn't, you know, understand that you live to fight another play sometimes. And I think with this team and this offense, he could just play within himself. Um, I think. Yeah, we should. I, I, we should. We know. should just mention. Yeah, the running game here is something special, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if you look at like I mean, what a player like Montgomery did in his jump from year one to two, and I don't think Montgomery. I think Montgomery's a nice player, but he's not Jonathan Taylor. I mean, John Jonathan Taylor could lead the NFL in in rushing yards this year. Um, so if he understands that, and I believe he will, that you know the, it's going to be run through Jonathan Taylor and that running game and that elite offensive line, who have like you know. Um, they they just move the defense off the line of scrimmage, and then he can just play within himself. Um, I, I think it could be a very, very good year, a solid year for Carson Wentz, and I think he's in the perfect system with the perfect coach, with the, with the best offensive line, or if not the best, one of the top three in football, with uh, a great running back room that's going to be his best friend. And, and, uh, and as long as he plays within himself, and lives to fight another play. Um, I think I think Carson Wentz can uh, can have a very very good year. Yeah, and I think you felt a lot of times with the Eagles that you know, and, and this cost him right the the injuries that he was sustaining was because he was trying to do too much here. And I think what you're trying to tell people is that look, he's got a lot of other pieces, especially in the running game here. You know, you mentioned Taylor, but I think Naheem Hines is a, and you know how I felt about that player coming into last last season, especially with Philip Rivers, and to use a guy like that who. I could say more than four or five occasions ended up being a difference maker in, in fantasy games this year. Naheem Hines had some of the bigger efforts uh, from on a fantasy standpoint. Not not every single week, but he was a big factor. Uh, you know, depending on the matchup, especially I think that's something to watch for. Uh, he was a factor in that offense, and and I don't think, like you said. 
Carson Wentz needs to uh, throw himself out there and sacrifice himself in the same way that he did with the Eagles. I've always felt my opinion on Carson Wentz was that he was just better at schoolyard ball, and that was his type of game. And I, I just feel like he, because of that, he took some of the worst hits. He took so many unnecessary hits. And look, this is helpful for the for, for an elite offensive line like the Colts too. You're going from protecting a statue in Phillip Rivers and doing a pretty terrific job at that to actually now protecting a guy who has mobility. So they should work hand in hand. And if you just think about that with the the mobility now going from, from Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz and that terrific running game with Jonathan Taylor leading the way, uh, it really it really should be a, you know, a recipe for success. And uh, I would be surprised if it wasn't. And this is coming from somebody who, as you very well know better than anybody, is I'm not the I have not been the biggest fan of Carson Wentz. I, I've been against the grain on him uh, in terms of the fantasy football community for the last few years, but um, I like him for this year. All right. Uh, I guess the other team that I want to talk about, we're not going to get into the Houston situation again for the same reasons, but the Miami Dolphins will be who moved on. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starter last year. Tua Tagovailoa was the, was the guy they drafted last year. Inconsistent when he did get in there in his rookie season. There is so much speed on this offense. Uh, you probably have a little bit more confidence in this player than I do. Uh, now, again, I would say that Tua was a victim of two things: one, the injuries that he was coming off of, and last year the COVID was, you know, the impact of COVID probably affected no player more than than, than a guy like Tua Tagovailoa in terms of learning the offense, getting into the NFL scheme, especially having coming off the injury. So, you know, am I right to think that you you feel confident that he can kind to progress with the, with this skill set you know he does have Jalen Waddle as a new weapon Devontae Parker is here they have speed all over the place I know we mentioned Lynn Bowden Jr. who made an impact in this team last year and don't forget the uh, one year deal with Will Fuller as well and Will Fuller so can Tua bring it for the Miami Dolphins and do you think do you agree with that statement that I'm making that last year a player very much impacted by by the COVID probably more than anybody else like I said by the COVID rules that were put in place last year yeah yeah I think I think I think the biggest thing the biggest thing above everything is now he's another year removed from these from that surgery and from the injury and and, you know, when he comes to these injuries, there's a big difference of player trying to come back his first year and then having another 12 months to separate and recover and remove themselves from that injury. So that's number one. Number two, when you had Will Fuller and you had Jalen Waddle, uh, you have gone from a average speed team to probably one of the fastest teams in the NFL on offense. Uh, I found something very, very interesting that the Dolphins were next on the list to try and pick up Kerryon Johnson, which leads me to believe that I'm not quite sure they're in love or plan on giving the keys to the kingdom to Miles Gaskin. Um, you know, uh, Malcolm Brown's there now. So there's some interesting things going on to look at a running back and, uh, and Lynn Bowden uh, can play and will be put in the backfield as well. So there is a ton of speed on that offense. And uh, yeah, th- look, I've not, you know, I, I've said it from uh, for starting last year with their draft. Uh, 
there's a lot to like about the Miami Dolphins. I think they have one of the best rosters in the NFL and uh, adding Waddle and Will Fuller with that speed uh, is going to make them uh, a very, very good offensive team. And uh, I know that you really like um, – you're a big fan of uh, of of Mike Gusecki and uh, and what he could do when he stayed on the field. It seemed that that was one of the best connections for Tua with was with Gusecki, and now you're bringing in uh, you're bringing Jalen Waddle, someone that he is familiar with from the days at Alabama together. So um, the arrow is pointing up in a big way for the Dolphins. I feel. You know, the, the funny thing is the Dolphins, is your Chan Gailey was the offensive coordinator last year with the Dolphins. The Dolphins are actually going with their internal hires. So the two guys that were with the team last year, but they're actually going with co-offensive coordinators. Uh, Eric Studsville and, uh, and, and George Godsey will basically combine for the job. I don't know who's calling the plays yet, but nonetheless, they're, they're familiar with the system because they were here with Gailey last year. And Gailey's always had a good reputation as a coordinator in this league, but the Miami Dolphins will have a new offensive coordinator, and it's going to be two different uh, gentlemen doing it this year for the Dolphins. Yeah, you know, that, that division... Uh, you know, it just was always the Patriots beating up on the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Jets year after year after year. And I find going into the 2021 season one of the most compelling, interesting divisions in the entire NFL. Can the Patriots come back? Can they come back from, you know, being such an elite dynasty to not making the playoffs? The Bills, are, you know, have one of the best rosters in, in football, certainly the AFC. Miami is certainly ready to take that next step. And the Jets had a terrific draft as well with new people running the show there. And, uh, man, that AFC East is a, is a very compelling division. Yeah, in addition to that, uh, I looked a little bit closely at the Dolphins' opponents coming to you. The Dolphins actually have one of the easier schedules by opponent winning percentage coming into this season based on last year uh, than most teams in the NFL. So something to, the Dolphins are definitely a team to watch. We, you know, Wiz and I talked about Brian Flores a couple of years ago, and we warned people last year that they were going to be competitive and what they were going to do, and they, and they did do that. Uh, and and I, I agree with Wiz. I'm, I'm excited about what the Dolphins have going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's for a compelling division. And uh, I guess we're going to move along uh, the next podcast. We're going to do the same thing we did this podcast, but I guess we're going to move along to some key veteran running backs who've switched teams. And uh, there's a lot more than just six or seven that we talked about with quarterbacks uh, that are going to be making fantasy football impacts at, uh, at the running back position this year. That's for sure. Yep, look forward to doing that. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. So make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. We'll continue to move along in our preseason preparation. Wiz, very thorough as always. Thanks for the insights, and we look forward to talking about running backs next time around. Have yourself a very good evening. Thank you.